fine. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but he said that, he said about two or three o'clock in the morning, he said exactly what time, but I don't remember for sure now if it was two or three. He said, we found, he said, that every step somebody would take in that house, he said, you could hear it all the way through the house. He said, it was an old house. He said, about two or three o'clock in the morning, so we found out why nobody lived there. He said, all of a sudden, he said, the house started shaking, the wind started vibrating. He said, my bed bounced across the floor. He said, I thought, is this it? He said, I think he was a teenager or something at the time. And he said, there was a train track within 15 feet of that house. And he said that they had three different conductors that drove that train because the way they blew the horn. Because each one of them blew it differently. He said, for the first month we lived there, he said, every time it went off, and he, he'd do a lot better train whistle than I could because I think he'd practiced it once or twice and he's, you can go and start that if you want to. I think he'd, that's all right, he practiced it, you know, probably giving this illustration. But he said for the first month, he said every time in the middle of the night, he said I'd wake up scared thinking that the end had come, it was under attack or whatever. He said after about a month, he said I remember the first night, he said I heard it and he thought, oh, that's the train. He said, then somewhere along the line, not long after, he said, I slept through it. The train whistle that blew him plumb out of his bed shook the house, vibrated the windows, moved his bed across the floor. It shook the house that bad. He said, after a while, he said, I got so desensitized to it, he said, I didn't even notice it. And church, that's exactly what sin will do in your life. And that's what telling God no will do in your life. I want to preach on that thought one of these days, but um, it, it, so many things in life in this world has done that to the church. Um, I've heard for years preachers would get up and say Satan has rocked us to sleep. And as a young Christian, a young man, I didn't fully comprehend that. And after a few years, I did. And at another time of the message, I'll explain that in more detail. But you hear me say so much the world has crept into the church. Uh, and it's supposed to be that the church goes into the world, not the other way around. But we see so much, and I'll give you a couple examples, and I'm not trying to, to, to get off on a bad foot here, but if you look at a picture of people that came to church in 1960, 1950, look how they were dressed. Look what we got today. And... Uh, they, they were decked out. Uh, they were their best. They were modest. <laughs> um, and they wore respectful things. And, and we, they respected the house of God. Um, you are, your body is a temple of God. Now, I got I to get in this message. I'm rambling too much. I'm sorry. But um, there's just so much on my heart and my mind right now. But um, there was such a respect and an honor when people came to church and when they went before God in prayer as well. It was a different way of life. Billy Sunday, it's estimated that well over a million people were saved through his ministry. He made some mistakes. He, he, he fell on the way. Who hasn't? So don't throw too many rocks at him. Don't get too carried away. But um, for those of you that's never heard of him, in about 1909, 1908, something like that, a, a horse and buggy came by on the streets of Chicago. They stopped at a street corner. A preacher got stood up commenced to preaching the kingdom of God. 
and Billy Sunday was saved. He was a professional baseball player. A year or two later, uh, he quit baseball to go into ministry full-time, and he went around this country preaching the gospel. He would go into a town, and if they did not have some kind of a large uh, facility to hold a lot of people, he would make them build one because when he went to preach a revival, it wasn't a week. It was no less than a month. And most time, two or three months, he would stay in one town. And you know in Weston, West Virginia, he held a revival there and it was years before there was another bar existed in Weston, West Virginia because when he left the town, all the bars were closed because everybody got saved. Wouldn't we like to see that today? Billy Sunday said, I heard him with my own ears, he said, if you have a deck of cards in your house, you might as well throw your Bible in the fire. He preached a little different than we preached today, didn't he? Where, where have we come to today? Yeah. It, it, is, it is so different, church. We have allowed so much of the world into our lives, in our church. Let me get into the message and... and and with God's help, I want to try to say some things to you this evening. Uh, John's Gospel, chapter 19. John's Gospel, chapter 19. Let's go read about three or four verses. We're going to start at verse 8. Probably down to verse 12, so I guess that's more than three or four. But um, John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 8. This is, I don't know what it is about Pilate. I know everybody has certain Bible characters that they like and, and people stories. Pilate's one of the people that fascinates me from the Bible. Um, he was a man that was, you could say, caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, there's not a terrible amount of information we've got about him. We've got some, and the first time I got really interested in him was when I took some Bible classes a few years ago. One of the assignments was to write about a Bible character. Somebody that, uh, somebody besides Jesus or Elijah or, you know, some, or Paul, somebody lesser known. And so I picked Pilate. And I asked the teacher something about him, so I've never heard a message preached on him. So I said, that's who I'm going to, that's who I'm going to choose. So I started doing some research and studying. And uh, I will share a little bit more with you as we get into this. But John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 8. Is everybody there? When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And he went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou canst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from henceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for this day that you've given us and for this time together. And God, I thank you for your word. And God, for its instruction, for its humbling, for its uplifting, and God, for its power. Lord, so much of the time we look for answers and relief and, and comfort, God, and, and help in this world. 
And God, so much of the time we look to ease our minds in so many other directions and so many other things in your word. God, I pray to see that we recognize where it all comes from and that's straight from you, Lord, and no one else or nothing else. God, you gave us your word, Lord, so we could have it to read and, and to hold. God, there's times in my life, and you know this, Lord, I'm just talking to you right now, God, and nothing more that, God, I've hugged that Bible. and God, I've held on to it. It was as close as I could get to physically touching you at that moment. And Lord, I just needed you. God, I thank you that you've always been there, God. You've always provided everything that I've ever needed in life. And God, I pray that you uh, use me this evening as you see fit, Lord. If you want to humble me, if you want to embarrass me, God, if you want to give me power and anointing, however you choose to use me this evening, God, I pray that you have your way in my heart and in my words. God, I thank you and I praise you for this church, for each one that is here. In the Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, as I gave you a little bit of introduction here about Pilate, I'm going to give you a little bit of a background I think most everybody knows, and, uh, but I'll give you just a touch of it. If you look back in your Bible and you can look at the other Gospels, we see that Pilate had tried to throw, put Jesus onto somebody else. He said, let somebody else take care of it. He's not my jurisdiction. He's not my problem. This is a Jewish matter. And uh, if you look back, a few pages, Pilate even looked at Jesus in a kind of, a, I believe, in a snide, sarcastic way and said, am I Jew? Uh, because at first, when Jesus stood before Pilate, he answered him. And he gave him an answer. And I'm going to teach you a little bit of a couple lessons here inside this little message. Um, but Jesus had already given light to Pilate and he didn't respond to the light that was shown him. Let me explain to you more what I mean. When God tells you something, explains something to you, and reveals himself to you in something in a matter, and you don't respond to that, there's no more revelation coming. Right. You've got to go back, however far that is, to that last revelation, and agree with him on that, and do things God's way and whatever that was. Until that happens, you're stuck spiritually. And... Here we see that Jesus was just stood before Pilate and he didn't never said a word. And I'm amazed uh, that, that Pilate, again, I, I say he's one of the, my, I like to study about him. There's not a whole lot to dig from. But he got to this position by lying, conniving, thieving, stealing, whatever he could do to get there. Uh, kind of like today. Uh, I better move on. But... Um, you know, yeah, yeah, politicians today, that's more what I was getting at, but, uh, but uh, that's truth speaking. Anyway, uh, but he, he got there by all means necessary. He just wanted that position. He wanted that power. He wanted that authority. And let me go ahead and say this. The world's power, the world's authority will never, ever match what God does and gives and can do through you and I. Do you understand that if we would only grasp the power of the Word of God coupled with prayer in your life and my life, that absolutely nothing would be impossible to you as long as it is in God's will and doing things the way God wants to do it. The reason I say it that way is because prayer is not a name it, claim it, and God will give it. It doesn't work like that, folks. We've got teaching that says that, but that's, true. that's not true, that's false. And furthermore, the more the Word of God you've got in you, the more you know it, the more you study it, the more you love it, more than likely you are to pray in the will of God because you want to please God. Amen. Now Pilate here, 
had a little bit of a conflict. He was caught in a rock in a hard place. You see, it was his job to keep any uh, uproar, let me say it like this, to keep peace throughout Jerusalem. That was his job. As the Roman uh, governor, as a representative of, of the Caesar, it was his duty to see to it that there was harmony and he had to do whatever it took to keep harmony throughout Jerusalem and keep the Jews from getting upset, make sure the Romans and the Jews got along, make sure everything flowed like it's supposed to. And here stands this man Jesus who was perfect, who had done nothing wrong. And Pilate could see that. He knew that. Man, this, God's showing me stuff right now. I didn't see in this, so Lord, thank you. Uh, anyway, but yet he had a problem because he did not know what he was going to do with the problem that stood before him. And in Pilate's way, because he did, all he could see was the world power. He ignored the godly power. He could have had all the power in the world handed to him on the spot, but he rejected it for a momentary thought of worldly power. How much of the time do you and I reject God's methods, God's ways, God's will because of something in our present life that is keeping us back from what God wants? Pray for me. My throat has really been bothering me the last couple of days. It squeezed back off again. I hope to get in soon to, for him to look at it and see what in the world's going on. I got an appointment, but it's another month out. Anyway, um, but we have a situation here that I think we can look at this and compare it to our life. Now, this morning I want to say this, and this will, I'm going to blend this in. Uh, I probably I confused people the way I said some things. I went back this afternoon and listened to it to make sure when I talked about how that uh, as pastor of this church, God has put me as the under-shepherd. Uh, Jesus is the head of the church. All the power comes from him. I'm not anybody. I'm nothing. Nobody, none of us are when it comes to Jesus. The only thing we are is what the Bible says we are. We are somebody in him in God's eyes. But I, the way I come across, I didn't mean to come across the way I did I guess I came across as saying that I think people in the church uh, is bucking me hard or people's coming against me. That's not what I meant to sound like. And I guess I may have sounded that way. And if I did, let me say I apologize. I didn't mean to. You see, sometimes in our lives and in this preacher's life, emotions can rise up inside of us and speak sometimes out through us. It could have been something that happened a month ago six months ago, and even years. You say, yeah, 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 it does. Now, sometimes we allow that to overrule our spiritual matter and then out of our emotions we speak. Pilate was speaking out of his emotions and not out of truth. Let me explain to you more what I mean. I just wanted to say that real quickly to get that off my chest about this morning and hopefully ease people's minds. I wasn't trying to attack anybody or put myself on a pedestal. I'm not anything. God can take me out of this spot in, in a second if he wants to. But what I want to preach to you about this evening with God's help just for a little bit is when Pilate said, told Jesus, he said, then saith Pilate unto him, speakest thou not to me? 
Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? And Jesus responded. And I always have been fascinated with his response. Thou could have had no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. So let me ask you, are you in the category of no power? Do you realize where it comes from? Now, I want to do this a little bit more comparison here just for a minute. I hope I'm making sense. Um, so, Pilate had the opportunity to release the Son of God. Now, we know that it was the will of God for Jesus to be crucified. There's no question about that. I can take you in the Bible and show you in a few different places. I can take you to start in Genesis. I can take you to Ephesians. I can take you to other places. Even before the foundation of the world, before the world was ever created from nothing, that plan was already in place. You say, explain that. Well, when we get to heaven, I will. Uh, I can say it and tell you more. Uh, I don't know exactly. Uh, I got ideas when Satan was cast out of heaven. Uh, we know that Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. In other words, he said, I saw it happen. I saw it take place. I saw I was there. When I believe when God grabbed Satan by the nape of the neck and said, you little wimp, don't you ever pull a stunt like that again and flung him out of heaven. You see, Satan lost sight of where the power source come from. He thought it was him. Pilate had an innocent man standing in front of him. And I've often thought, what if Pilate would have said, Jesus, are you really who you say you are? Do you have the power to give eternal life? And I've always wondered if he would have asked him that question. You see, some of the leaders that Jesus went to, uh, he said, well, do a trick for me. Somehow, do, do something for me and I might believe you. He's not a magician, folks. He's not an entertainer. Let me say this too. If you think we can bring entertainment into the church to try to draw people in, you're out of your mind. You can't compete with this world's entertainment. It takes one thing, the power of God. That's what's going to work. Nothing else. And I'm going to try to help you see how we get there just in a minute. So just bear with me a minute. And I've often wondered, what if Pilate would have spoken those words to Jesus? And Jesus would have explained to him, I am the Son of God. I am Jesus. I came to save sinners, seek those that are lost. I came to give life to those that are needy. I came to give hope to those that have no hope. And however answers, whatever more answers he wanted to give to him, and Pilate would have been convicted of his sins and kneeled down in front of the holy, blessed Son of God and said, I believe on you, Jesus. How different this story might have went. Let me speculate for a minute and illustrate. I don't like to do this very often, but it just humor me. And that would have happened. That would have been the awfulest uproar that ever took place in Jerusalem at that moment. Because Pilate would have said, I'm setting him free. The Jews, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and all the people that they got in that mob would have absolutely come unglued. And I believe that out of pure necessity, the, some other Roman leader would have stepped in and said, get him away now and crucify him now. Now, I don't want to speculate on what the Bible doesn't say. But I just want you to kind of just go with me here just for a minute. 
And Pilate's life would have went way different. He would have been removed from power, but he would have gained all power. He would have been removed from his position, but he would have gained the position. He may not have been an enemy to Rome, but he would have been a friend of Jesus. So sometimes you and I, in the face of all our failures, in the face of all the consequences, of all the rights, all the wrongs, of everything that's going on in our life, we have to stand in the face of all that and say, Jesus, I believe in you. And I'm going to trust you. And it's not always going to be easy. You see, Pilate was in a no-win situation. You know why he was? Because he didn't believe in Jesus. So he had no way to win. All it would have taken was him to look at Christ and said, are you really the Son of God? Tell me how to inherit eternal life. Tell me how to be saved. And if he would have asked that question and done what was commanded, even if they would have stormed in the, in the temple or in the castle, the kingdom hall, wherever he was at, and killed him, he would have went to heaven. So now let me explain something to you. Because the world and emotions and the number one thing that I read to you in your hearing, fear. I wasn't going to preach on fear this evening. This is the way God's taken me. Crept in. He said, I'm afraid of what will happen. Let me go back and read that again so we, so we can get it all together. Verse 8. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. Go back and let's see what it says. I'm going to start in, in verse 4. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that he may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. There's a message too. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in the man. Then the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Now notice verse 8. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. Why was he afraid? Because it was revealed to him that Jesus was the Son of God and he rejected what that revelation was. That's why the next sentence, the very next few moments later, Jesus stood before Pilate again and he asked him, he said, who art thou? And he said, and he told Jesus, you don't say, why don't you answer me? He said, don't you see the power that I had to release you to crucify you? And he said, thou could have no power at all to have given thee from above. He recognized who he was, but he rejected it. I told somebody before church, I'll say this, and I got two points. Only two points this evening. Amen. And I don't know how long they're going to be, but I got two points. And I said, I believe people who's going to suffer the hardest hell are those who rejected Christ the most. Real quickly, you understand, we know from the Bible there's rewards to be earned at the Bema seat. That's, that means the judgment seat of Christ. Bema means reward. And you and I, out of obedience to Jesus, will earn rewards 
And those rewards will be twofold. It'll make heaven a little sweeter for some of us and it is also something we can lay at his feet and say, thank you, Jesus, what you did for me. That's what I want my rewards for. Just as equivalent, there's rewards for hell. Do you understand there's degrees of hell? You say, hell's hell. Heaven's heaven. But there's still rewards. If there's rewards in heaven... There's rewards in hell. And I believe I got Bible to back me up on this. But nevertheless, what I'm saying is, I think one of the most, uh, probably two of the people that's going to suffer hell worse than almost anyone other than Satan himself is Judas and Pilate. Because they had direct revelation and rejected it. Pilate responsible for crucifying our Lord. Now let me say this, and I'm, going to, and I'm going to preach you this for a little bit. You understand, I've tried to illustrate to you that where Pilate thought his power was coming from and where real power does come from. The Queen of, of England said, I fear the prayers of John Marks, or the Queen of Scotland said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of England can put together, Europe piled together. I wonder when the last time Satan has took notice of our prayers and said, boys, you better pay attention. I fear that Christian's prayers. I wonder if he's ever said that about us. So let's see something. He said, thou canst have no power at all except to be given thee from above. So number one, no one has no power at all except it given thee from above. You can take this world, you can try to manipulate it, you can, and let me say this, you can, you can try to, to uh, put things in your life that, that you think, well, this will uh, work, or this may make God happy, this will help. Listen to me and listen well. If it's anything of the world, it's not of God. Amen. If your flesh enjoys it, more than likely God don't. My flesh enjoys a lot of things. My flesh enjoys staying home sometimes when I ought to get up and go somewhere and do something. My flesh says I don't want to witness this person because it's embarrassing, but I've got to anyway. My flesh says, well, I enjoy that old style of music, but my spirit sure doesn't. My flesh says I want to see this and I want to see that, but my spirit sure doesn't, and my spirit is who I need to obey, is Holy Spirit. If I'm going to have any power with God, I've got to turn this world loose. Not make it part of my life. I've seen churches try to do things to bring people in. I'm not against bringing people in. I don't care to do things. You've seen me try to think outside the box and do some things to bring people in this church. I don't know, maybe God blessed inadvertently. We've not seen any direct results that I know of other than almost old-fashioned going out and just inviting people to come in. And God will bring people in. So where does our power come from? And I've preached this before. It's really nothing new. It's quite simple. When you get out of bed, sometimes I was talking to Sanford Church and they said they got up on the wrong side of the bed the other morning. They were mad. They were aggravated. And their wife said, won't you calm down? He said, I don't want to calm down. Sometimes our emotions, our thoughts, and all these things get inside of us and they start controlling us and tugging away at us. But I wonder throughout our day, instead of maybe looking at a game on our phone or reading a news article or talking to someone, eating a candy bar or ice cream, praise God, that's preaching right there, or, um, or whatever else it may be, how about we talk to Jesus for a few minutes? 
and confess and say, Jesus, I'm struggling right now. My flesh is rolling. My mouth is wanting to run off. I'm mad. I'm aggravated. I'm hurt. I'm this. I'm that. How about saying, I need some power from on high. And then, you know, I thought about Aunt Janet, something she said this morning. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody else say this or not. She said, at nighttime when you lay down and go to bed, she said, how about you start to see how many scriptures you can quote? My dear grandmother often had the phrase, she said, don't talk, count the sheep, talk to the shepherd. There have been times where I couldn't go to sleep and I go to praying. And I don't know when in that prayer I went to sleep, but sometimes it's not long. I'm sound asleep. I toss and turn for an hour and I keep praying. And I keep praying. Finally it comes. And let me say this to you. You will not have any power at all until you realize where that power comes from. And let me tell you this. If you don't pray, seek God. Turn away from this world. Let this world go. You're not going to have any power of God. I've told you about this man before. I encourage you to, to look him up sometime and find some of his old messages and just read about him. A man named Percy Ray. He was a Southern Baptist and he wouldn't pull out of the Southern Baptist because he kept saying, I can help him, I can help him, I can help him. And I'm not faulting him for that because he tried. You don't realize that God changed America through this man. Some of you have never heard of him, but I'm telling you his story is astounding. I've heard people say they'd drive by his house at 11 o'clock, the light was on. They'd drive by at 6 o'clock, the light was on. He was a man of prayer. He stayed in prayer with God and God gave him power because of that. Do you realize that at one time he was somewhere out west preaching and he said, God, he said, I want to, he said you let these other preachers buy with this. Why don't you let me buy with it? He said, I want to do this and do that. And God said, fine. So he did that. He, whatever, he never did say what it was. So I don't know what it was. I guess it was his thorn. I don't know. But anyway, so he went to preach the next revival. The first night came the revival. The house was packed. Everybody was there to hear Percy Ray. The next night he came back, it was half full. They said he can't preach no more. This is a very sobering story for me, by the way. He come back the next night. And finally, they closed the revival. I said, Percy Ray, something's wrong. We don't know what's wrong with people's uninterested. He went on to the next town. Got there, the house was packed. This memory, this is back in the middle part of the century. Uh, there was no cell phones and, and internet, so news traveled a whole lot slower back then. And, and he got there, the first night the house was packed. He preached. He came back the next night and said, Percy Ray can't preach no more. Half full. This went on for a little bit. Finally, he said, God, if you'll give me my power back, I'll do whatever it takes. And God reminded him of that request he asked him a few weeks earlier. He recognized where his power come from. And he knew he had to do whatever it took to get that power. Let me ask you a question. How long have you spent in prayer with God begging him for power from, from him to witness to people, to lead your family, be the parent you ought to be, be the Christian you ought to be, be the child you ought to be, be the church member you ought to be, be the husband, the wife, the child, everything you need, the employee. When's the last time you've really devoted real time to God and begged him for this? No one will have any power at all except that given him from above. Let me ask you another question. I'm going to move on. And this one's just as important. I've asked everybody in this church a few months ago to memorize two verses. How many people can still quote it? Somebody start off. I beseech. Somebody said that much. I be- 
and B. So that he may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now let's go a step further. Has anybody memorized any of the other verses since I asked you to memorize that one? I'm not necessarily asking you to raise your hands. I know some of you are looking at me like, do I raise my hand or do I leave it down? You don't have to because God knows. I don't need to see your answer. You're not answering to me. If you haven't, do you wonder why you have no power with God? Do you wonder why, number two, you have no power at all in the church unless it comes from God? Now, who is the church? What is the church? And this is a whole big six-month message, but we're going to condense it down to 15 minutes, 10. It's the people, the body of Christ. Now, I've preached this before. There's three families in the Bible that I can find. I've asked other preachers this, and they agreed. Number one, natural-born man, natural-born woman, Man, woman, only man, woman gets married. Only natural born man, natural born woman can reproduce. That is a family. I emphasize natural born. It's transgender stuff. If you go studying it, the ones who pulled out of that said the doctors mutilated my body when I was a child and destroyed my life and now I get no help from the same people who said I should have went this way than the very homosexual 